0: Are you wanting to do something to try to earn it when you don't have to?
1: Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt and joining me today are your friends and mine, Karen. Hello. And Amy. Good morning and Tracy. Good morning. Morning. We are having a glitchy morning. Seems like maybe it's on my end. I, I don't know. Technology is not a strong suit of mine. I just push buttons and hope everything works. So right now, everything seems like it's working. So we're going to go with that. Hey. We'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it.
0: <laughs>
1: All righty. Well, I have nothing pithy to say this morning, so I think we'll just get right into it.
2: He <laughs> had pithy things planned, but then the internet was stupid, and it all just went away.
1: You had some pearls, but you threw it at the computer this morning. Yeah, you know, it's gone. It's it's just like out out the window. I rebooted everything, including well, myself.
2: Yeah, way to persevere in pushing buttons again and again.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I almost died once by choking on a, on my coffee. Uh, <laughs> he did. And,
3: it's been quite a morning.
1: And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was traumatic. It was it was. uh, I thought I was going to (laughs) die. Coffee's bad for you, people. (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, let's get into our discussion here today. We have been talking about. uh, Oh, we've been working our way through a few chapters in Matthew, and we're going to be this today talking about Matthew, chapter six. Uh, which has been we're we're kind of right in the middle of what we would call the Sermon on the Mount. We've talked about the Beatitudes uh, for a couple weeks, and this week we we move it on into some uh, other subjects that that Jesus spoke. And um, I've said in the past weeks that I think this is maybe uh, kind of the central message that Jesus probably was preaching as he would travel around the land, uh, sort of as a I just I sort of just sort of picture him as like this traveling preacher that wherever he would go, he would stop and talk and people would listen. And for some reason, this particular sermon got uh, centered in on by by a couple of the uh, the the gospel writers. Um, And I guess probably, you know, it's it's an it's an excellent it's an excellent uh, collection of thoughts that that Jesus was was presenting there and so like i said we went we went through the beatitudes a lot which was interesting because it was a lot of you're blessed even though things don't seem great and then this week as we get into it you get into more of i guess maybe more of what you could consider actual instruction and ways to uh ways to act in in situations um the bible largely it's not it's not usually very straightforward in giving you lessons as in, do this, don't do that more. It's you read the story and you glean from it, but here it's more of a, uh, of an instance of Jesus really specifically laying things out for people to consider. And it's interesting because, well, like we were talking a little bit this morning, um, with a friend of ours who has some Airbnb's when you have to make a rule, or you have to tell somebody about something, it's usually because somebody has done something that has warranted the uh, the necessity for that instruction. And <clears throat> so as we move into what Jesus talks about, it has me just thinking that this, this must have been stuff that the people of the time needed to hear and weren't, um, maybe hadn't thought about before.
2: So there's actually books that are collections of the rather strange laws that are on the on the books of different states. And they're hilarious. If you ever want a really good read, and they all come from some original situation. Like one of the ones that just kills me is in Florida, it's illegal to w- take your snake for a walk on a leash. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, I how? I was going
1: to say, how? that shouldn't be illegal because I really want to see that.
2: How did, how did how did this become an issue for legislation right so just keep that in mind as well i know as, as i feel
0: about snakes or i wouldn't want them being walked around on a leash either <laughs> <laughs> they're just you know you know preemptive and just if that ever comes out, I just want to cover all bases.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, uh, like, like, why did it have to be snakes? I guess. Okay,
2: yeah. so remember yeah. how back in back in the Old Testament, in the first few books of the Bible, is isn't it Leviticus that's like mostly rules? Yeah. And you read yeah, Diana, yeah, yeah. And just like really, they had to tell people this. They had, yeah. they had to tell people this. You know that happened for a reason.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here yeah. we
2: are again.
1: Yeah, and, and you know the things that Jesus talks about here. The, I mean, the things we're going to talk about here aren't like they don't seem seem like drastic moral things that you would you, you know. It's 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 these aren't the thou shalt not kill things. These are more like they're just sort of like social um, you know ways to to interact with other people and and such, but it's just funny to me that, that some of these things needed to be spelled out.
3: Yeah. So I love the fact though, that it starts out with, don't, uh, do your alms before men, like don't do good deeds in order to show off and show everybody how cool you are. Like, mm-hmm. that's funny that, you know, Jesus is God and that's the first thing he brings up. Please don't do this. You know? yeah. And yeah. <laughs> he's like, I really, really don't like that. And, uh, yeah. And and you get your reward in that moment if you do that. And that's all right. you get. Right, right.
2: I just wanted to point out that in Matthew 5 he did go over the big things. Oh, that's true. Like,
3: that's true. It's
2: part of the same part of the same sermon. He starts with the big stuff. He starts with the beatitudes. You're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed if, right? Then it goes into the call of the gospel. You are here to be salt of the earth, right? You are here to be the light of the world, blah, blah, blah. Don't act like this. Do act like that. Don't act like this. Do act like that. And it's getting smaller. Mm -hmm. The issues are going from the big call to the smaller and smaller details of human behavior. At least that's kind of how I read it.
1: Yeah, that is an interesting thing to see because, uh, you know, if we consider the way— like the way the Pharisees had hammered so hard on the laws, but it it, it when you listen to Jesus talk, it's as if it it was more of on the surface, and there were still like loopholes that they thought you could jump through and still be in compliance with the law. And as we went through some of those things, and we found that no, um, you you don't seem to have an understanding of. Of just how deep these laws go, you know. I mean, the one that first comes to mind is is looking at a woman lustfully is is the same as adultery, and and you, you know, I mean, it's like a split second, and you've already broken that law. Even if you, even if you look and then look away, if you even for this moment had that inkling of a thought towards, oh wow, she's super hot you know, it's done. The, the, the law is broken. And, uh, Jesus is trying to say, look, you, you don't understand how deep this goes and you, you, you don't understand how badly you need a Messiah really is where I think that was coming from. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting to see him then just kind of going into these little, these little details and, and even just simple ways that we act with each other and like so like amy was pointing out the first thing he talks about here in this week's reading was yeah okay it's good to do good things but don't do it in a way that everybody is looking at you while you're doing it or specifically don't do it to be seen and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna drop a name here and it i i remember watching or seeing an episode of Oprah Winfrey, and everybody in the in the room got a car, you know, and just you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. And I remember looking at her, looking around at everybody to see the reactions, and uh, I was thinking that's kind of gross. I don't like that at all. <laughs> and uh, and I watch my kids, my my youngest especially loves to watch YouTube videos, and there's sometimes guys that'll walk up to people and hand them money, and they're they're filming the whole thing, and it's like, okay, you're doing a great thing, but. You're doing it to be seen, and that's just kind of gross.
2: Okay, if we go back to the earlier part of the sermon, you know, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Uh, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in Mm. heaven, right? So that's the point. So we know that the good works were created beforehand for us to walk in them, right? We know that. But I think the point of this... You know when you do your good deeds, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, or is it the other way around? I can't remember. Anyway, do your do your good deeds. It's supposed to be a reflection of God, not of you, mm-hmm. and that's the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's you're idolizing yourself. You're just go st- stand up there and be like, "Yeah, look what I did." Mm-hmm. That's wrong.
1: Correct. That's good. That's wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that goes for the good deeds as well as for the prayers. Mm-hmm. Like this kind of like this this fake piety that the that their spiritual leaders were putting out, uh, where mm-hmm. again the the spiritual leaders of the day didn't look any deeper than the behavior, which is why they were always looking for loopholes. Mm-hmm. They they're they're if your heart isn't changed, then you're going to be constantly leaning against the fence of the law, looking for a way to get through it or around it.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And so it does. The the thought I'm still I've I've been amazed watching or looking through the 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 sermon this time, the way I've seen that Jesus segues from one thing into the next and how one thing just just relates into the next. Because because, yeah, that next thing he talks about is prayer, which, of course, prayer is good. But he immediately is like, don't pray so that everybody sees you go into someplace private. And, and say a prayer. Otherwise, that spectacle that you create, that's the only reward you're going to get. Now, before we go into the prayer itself, let's talk about how what he's talking about here is different than like, say, Daniel. Remember when Daniel was praying and what got him thrown in the lion's den was that he was defying uh, a law at the time. And was openly praying at his window with the with the shutters open. I guess you would say, so everybody could see him. Yeah,
0: yep, the routine. So he did this. That wasn't out of his norm.
1: So, trying to trying to trying to think of the question I want to ask about that then, because it because in that case it does seem okay, like you say, that was his routine to be praying in a place where he could be seen all the time. How is that? How is that different from what Jesus is talking about here? I don't know. I mean, I of course, i don't I don't think Daniel was doing it, quote unquote, to be seen. It just seems like that was what he did. and And here with Jesus, what Jesus is talking about is specifically praying to be seen. That makes sense,
3: yeah. maybe maybe too, we should look at it more from like Tracy was saying you know, Daniel was in a foreign country, and he was standing up against an authoritarian regime that's basically saying you worship the king, and he was like, no, this is my, I worship God, I worship the living God, and I'm going to stick to that even if it costs me my life, and um, whereas what's been happening with the Pharisees, by the time Jesus comes along is they're praying to be seen not because they're trying to stand up for the God of heaven but because they want attention mm. and they want everyone to know how cool they are and which isn't very cool actually but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah 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 okay so so now let's talk about corporate prayer like you're in church and someone is up front praying mm-hmm. uh pray, praying with the with slash for the congregation what's different about that or can that fit into what jesus is talking about here again i'm trying to think of what question i want to ask exactly because i know are
3: are you trying to say are there times when people use corporate prayer to glorify themselves sure
1: yeah Um, i guess that's yeah that's that's kind of what i'm getting at yeah i wonder too you know Granted you are
0: in front, but I think there there's probably that fine line that makes it um, a prayer and possibly a spectacle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I think I think that could be the fine line,
2: so I guess the question to me is when you pray, who are you talking to?
1: Yeah,
0: oh so yeah.
2: If you're talking to God, then God is your audience. He's your He's your intended communique. He's the person that you're trying to connect with and you're not trying to connect with yourself, with yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's you could journal, like just journal. If you're just talking about your feelings to connect with yourself and that's what that's for. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of this again, goes back to if someone were to see you doing it, where does their gaze end? Does it end with you? If so, that's a little weird. It's supposed to go through you to the God you serve. That's what it's for.
3: So I'm reminded of someone that I knew when I was in college there was a man who had fled Ethiopia when communism came there and he uh, his name was Gurma Dante and he was working on the grounds department with me at Pacific Union College and he was such an interesting character because he was actually the conference president in Ethiopia. But when he got here, he didn't have the right degree. And so our church never gave him a position and he was working grounds like mowing lawns and stuff like that. But he would have worship with us before we went out to do our job as college students. And I remember his prayers like he was talking to God and he was very much not about. Here was a man who had been basically deposed from a position of some power Um, And yet it never crossed his mind. Like for him, it was like, God gave me this ministry and I'm going to help these kids learn to know God better. And uh, (laughs) he was just a profound person because, and so one I remember in particular was he repeated um, John 3, 16, and he used his own name. And he he just said, for God so loved Germa that he gave his only son, you know, and it was so Mm. touching and so powerful because that man knew God and didn't care one whit about his position or, uh, his loss of authority or income, etc. So yeah, really interesting.
1: Mm. I want to come back to who we pray for, because that's a big part of what Jesus talks about here. But before we get there, there's a couple of things he talks about here, uh, like vain repetition using vain repetition. I haven't seen that so much in modern day prayer, corporate prayer, but you know, we see sometimes, we can see it like in some of the music we sing in church, which to me, I guess in some ways is sort of like a prayer. You know, we call, we call, you know, I think of it as song service, but a lot of times we call that worship. You know, if we're singing songs to God, isn't that sort of like a prayer? What do you think about Mm. that? What do you, what do you think about, I mean, what's the deal with the, with the repetition? Why, what is it that God wouldn't like about that? Why, why should we steer clear of that?
3: So I've seen it, um, you know, when people are saying the rosary or things like that, you know, by rote, and they're just repeating a phrase because Mm -hmm. that will make God do something. And it's there, there is a sense in which, uh, especially like other, well, Tracy and I saw this in Nepal, you know, there's a lot of repetitive prayer, uh, what we would call prayer or whatever in some other faiths, where the the individual is just repeating phrases over and over and over again in order to obligate the gods to do something for them. And that's very different from asking your loving Heavenly Father uh, about a need. Uh, it, it implies that you don't have a relationship. You're doing something to make something happen, like magic. So I do believe that, that music is worship, but
2: I... What are the reasons that they... No form the sentence then okay so if you think about if you think about how all music is structured from time immemorial there's there's parts of this parts of the piece of music that always get repeated and nowadays they call it the hook right Mm -hmm. but you know they used to call it the chorus you know, but yeah. all music and this and this basically goes into what are the ways that you teach someone. So if you're if you write music, you want your music to be memorable. You you literally want your song to get stuck in other people's heads. And so mm-hmm. you think about pedagogy. How do you teach repetition? So I don't think that the repetition is for God. Mm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I think I think that a lot of the Worship songs are ways for uh, So if you think about if you think about the different ways that people teach like multi sensory teaching, um, you have, you know, you stand up, you recite, <clears throat> you, you put words to a rhyme, you put words to a tune, you know, knowledge to a tune. There's all these different ways you add rhythm, right? Your multi sensory teaching is oftentimes a way to make a much greater impact than just standing up okay now what's the result of that so a number of years ago gosh maybe a decade now pew research did a a nationwide survey all denominations and they did it midweek and they asked people two questions do you remember what the sermon was about at your weekend service and Mm. eight percent of people did remember eight percent that's less than one in ten who remembered what the sermon was about then they asked those same people do you remember what songs you sang Mm, and 80 percent of people did interesting why because songs engage other senses you stand up there's a rhythm maybe you're swaying maybe you raise your hand you're reading the words off a screen you're saying the words out loud they rhyme they have a rhythm they have a melody Right. So in the times that I have been part of a music team that was up front, choosing the music to go with a certain service or whatever, one of our goals, one of the specific goals that we actually put thought and effort into was choosing a closing song, the last thing that people heard before they went out the door, that had a wicked hook to it, that would stick in their brain. You wanted something that they would, in my opinion, you wanted a closing song that people would still be singing on Tuesday because it helped cement the entire service into their brain. Mm. I used to do that stuff on purpose nice. there's nothing there's nothing sinister about it. i yeah. i I quite literally wanted the service to stick in people's heads because that's how it gets into people's hearts. You know, I, I remember a passage in the Bible where it says, that you, that you think about the words of the law when you get up and when you lie down. Like you're always thinking about the words of the law. You keep them on the forefront of your mind all of the time so that they can be written on your heart. You know, we we humans require some training to integrate things. I mean, look at, look at this. This is God's people, God's people. And their own savior has had to show up and correct them because they've gotten stuck on the outward stuff And they've completely lost track of the fact that their religion is supposed to change their hearts. See what I'm getting at?
1: Mm -hmm. So
2: I I don't think you can. I don't think the songs are to teach God.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) But like, like, here's,
2: here's an example. Have any of you ever had like a favorite song and, and then one, and you'd listen to that thing for, Two decades. You just love that song. You knew every word. You knew every beat. You knew every everything. And then one day, somebody took it and remade it. You ever heard that? No, oh, yeah. Like, I'm maybe sure. they speed it up. Maybe they turn it into a pop song. Maybe they slow it down, turn it into a ballad with just a singer and a guitar. They change it up. And you are simultaneously annoyed that they changed your favorite thing. And yet it sticks in your head because it's still your favorite thing, but now it's new. Right? There's ways to do this, and I don't. I don't think that they're bad. I don't think that they're bad. I think it's just using whatever tool is in your hand to try to bring people to the foot of Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. So, so songs and songs of praise to God is different than a prayer of petition. Correct. Where you're asking God for something because the yeah. way that Jesus ends that is because God knows what you need. Exactly. So, so you don't need to ask him over and over and over and over again, which isn't to say you can't pray for the same thing day after day, but that concept of just sitting there and praying, you know, a, a, a phrase over and over yeah. again yes. in, in some attempt to get God's attention. Uh, it's just, like he said, it's a, it's a vain practice. There's no, there's no good reason to do it because you're not, you're not going to convince God. You're not going to change God's mind. You're not going to, to, to talk him into anything. He already knows what you need.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. So let's get into the prayer itself. So we know it as the Lord's prayer. And I would say most Christians probably know the prayer and could, could, uh, Recite it by heart.
2: I know <laughs> it in King James. I was going to say, in Jesus' well, own original language.
1: <laughs> so I was going to say, I think most of us probably <laughs> learned it. I mean, I know that when I think it in my head, it's absolutely King James. <laughs> <laughs> our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth on as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for, from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. So there's the king. There's the King James. <laughs>
2: um, wait, wait. How did you learn that? Was it repetition?
1: Probably vain <laughs> repetition. No, repetition. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't remember. I don't remember how I learned it. Now that you mention it, that's because we don't
2: learn it. We just say it.
1: I guess, yeah. You say you've said it enough times in church. Oh, let's re- let's all recite the Lord's prayer. And as a kid, you're going, "Uh," <laughs> but does you, know, you But go- I think too, if you go back to what
0: Amy was saying, it's when you experience God and you love God and your focus is God, it becomes personal to you. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. interject yeah. your name into it. Yeah, yeah.
1: But now something that Karen just said there just sparked something in my head. Where sometimes I it feel like we use this prayer as if as if, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as if it is the prayer we're supposed to pray. Like these exact words, which I don't think is the case. But I think Jesus uses it as a model for how how we should pray. What's appropriate to pray for? How how you know what kind of things. Ought we pr- uh, pray. Wow, my English is like amazing this morning.
2: <laughs> <clears throat> well, he says, he says in this manner, therefore, pray. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't say, okay, here's a script. It's magic. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think you're onto something, Matt, because he's saying, you know, first and foremost, he is your father. Um, and then honor your father, of course, hallowed be thy name. Um, everything is to be done towards the furtherance of the kingdom. You can ask for your simple needs, Um, you know, forgive us our sins, because that's Mm -hmm. where we're at. And then, you know, everything for your glory. So, I mean, it is, it's like a template for the perfect prayer, because those things need to be incorporated. All of that needs to be incorporated with how we view the world and how we approach our Father. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's break it down a little bit. And like like you were just there a second ago, Amy. But, uh, you know, the first thing is who we pray to. And Jesus instructs us to pray to the father. Now, those of you who have had kids, who did you teach your kids to pray to? I know here in our house, we taught them to say, dear Jesus. Is that appropriate? Is it inappropriate? Because Jesus Jesus is like pray to the father. What do, you, what do you think? Because also, you know, I've heard sometimes people wonder, should we pray to the Holy Spirit?
2: To be fair, it would be weird if Jesus taught his disciples to pray by praying to himself.
0: True. <laughs> and True. I think,
2: I think the Bible is pretty clear that Jesus is our way to the Father until mm-hmm. sin has been removed, right? Until we're actually perfected during this time when only his sacrifice— is what actually makes us presentable. Um, I, I understand why we pray to Jesus. I don't think it's wrong. I, I probably start half of my prayers with dear father as a as opposed to dear Jesus. The dear thing is kind of funny. It's kind of Victorian sounding. And I think it's because that's the the salutation of letters. I honestly mm-hmm. think that's where it came from. I don't know. But isn't that odd that we start off, you know, you start off a letter with dear so-and-so, right? It's like, is that person really dear? You know, and then you start (laughs) off your prayers with dear God, dear Father, dear Jesus, you know. And it's kind of, it just, it gives me a little chuckle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that's just a little interesting thing. Because I've heard some people adamantly saying that you should not, that you should pray only to the Father. Because that's what Jesus said. Um, And then others are like, no. Jesus is God, and and the Holy Spirit is God, and you should pray to all of them. And, you know, when we were talking about corporate prayer before, I've heard some people start a prayer to the Father, and then they'll talk to Jesus, and they'll talk to uh, the Holy Spirit in in their prayer. And uh, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting thought to consider. Now, there's a flip side of this that drives me bonkers when it happens, and I haven't heard it recently. But when people are praying, and then they start talking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, they start talking to Satan in their prayers. Satan, we cast you out. You you know, you shouldn't be here. Leave us alone type of stuff. You know, to me, that somehow feels very inappropriate. Why would you want to address him during your prayer? I just I don't I don't I don't get that. It feels wrong to me. That's maybe that's just me. I don't know. But uh, just just that just a prayer doesn't seem like the time to Be talking to the adversary in that. I get what they're doing, but um, it just feels inappropriate to me. Make your own judgment on that. So then the next thing we pray for God's will to be done. How how does our how do our personal petitions fit into that? You know, I need I need this. I need that. Uh, How does that fit into? Well, I guess, you know, I guess we go with physical needs, too, uh, because that's the very next thing. How do we how do we how do we reconcile the two or is it is it not a reconciliation already if we're praying to God for certain things to happen? If we're hoping that it'll be in his will for it to happen because a lot. Sometimes people feel they feel it's inappropriate to ask God for physical things. You know, uh, I need a new car. Should I pray to God? For a car should i pray to god for a specific type and model of car is that god's will even for me to pray for that sort of thing you know how do how do we how do we reconcile that with god's will you know i think
0: sometimes i think we get caught up once again we kind of started the whole conversation on on rules Mm -hmm. you know and i think too it, it could be a personal thing it could be ask him anything talk to him like a friend and i think sometimes we we forget that and it's like we try to put that in should i and shouldn't i do that and when you're just talking to a friend you can talk to him about anything nothing is too big nothing is too small nothing is too petty and it's just that communication with everything and i think that's the point that we get to it's just talk to him about anything
2: yeah i think that's that pray without ceasing stuff i used to i used to um think that there was a conflict between avoid vain repetitions and pray without ceasing. Mm. (laughs) After all, there's only so much you can say, right? No, Mm -hmm. no. Anybody who's ever had a good intimate relationship knows there's no end of what you want to talk to about that person, with that person. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that that is what God is inviting us into. I had this kind of hilarious moment a few weeks ago where I walked into my my morning study class at church a couple of minutes late and they were they were just getting ready to pray like they had already done all the welcome and blah 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 and they were just getting ready to pray so the lady that's teaching that day I walk in and of course she had to razz me you're late I'm like shut up right so anyway I walk in I sit down and she goes well you since you showed up late and disrupted us do you want to pray I was like oh okay like I'm literally still still taking my jacket off right so So I I just pray. I just said whatever was in my head and I prayed and it was very offhand and I didn't think about it in the slightest. It was just a conversation. And then I get done praying. We get ready to start class and this other lady across the room goes, wait, how did you do that? That was beautiful. And I was like, (laughs) I I didn't do. It's just a conversation. I just said out loud what might be going through my head instead. And she goes, I've never thought of praying to God in a conversational tone. I always feel like I have to do like this sort of important approach. I was like, oh, please. I hope that's not the case.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, and I think, too, we kind of fall in that that vain repetition where this is how I look at it. I've heard sermons where people are like, you know what? Ask God for what you want and then let it go. Assume it's already done. You don't need to bring it up again. Well... Part of me, I kind of agree with that. I could see that. And as far as like our conversation about vain repetition, but my thing is that once again, the humanistic approach where if it's weighing on my mind, I want to bring it up to my friend. It's like, you know what? I don't know what to do. You know, we were talking a couple of weeks about cars and, and, um, the oil and the truck and stuff. And you were talking about how you had that problem with your other car. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know what? How many times did you pray about that? You know, it was like, Lord, you know what? Help me out with this problem. You know what? I go to another person and it's, Lord, you know what? Take control of this problem. It's like, don't have me, you know, do this. And he's going to, and to be okay with whatever the outcome is, but it's still something that's, you know, a burden on you. And it's like, take it to a friend, you know, tell Mm -hmm. him what's on your mind. Even if it is something that's plaguing you over and over during the day. I think that's what God wants to hear. It's like, you know what? You're looking towards me for answers and that's where I want you.
3: Yeah, I agree, Tracy. I feel like that's where he wants us. He wants us to talk to him about everything and like Karen was saying, it's a conversation. It's going on throughout your entire day. It's not just when you're in your prayer time. And um I've just I've had this great experience where um you know, I'm trying to bring more things to the Lord, trying to, you know, pray about everything and i have this horse that was difficult to train and she just wouldn't get in the trailer and um so we were you know fighting and fighting about it and trying to get her to go in and one night i'd been praying about it and i had a dream that i had to go underneath a mountain through a small tunnel feet first and i woke up in the morning and i had the answer which was this horse is claustrophobic mm-hmm. and i feel like i feel like god was helping me and so the next day I was praying about it again and and i was thinking okay what do i do and and the thought came to me open all the windows and doors on the trailer so there's lots of light in there and she walked right in Yep. and i was like oh (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. i have a
3: claustrophobic horse and um so then you know once i was able to get her in repeatedly i would start to close one window or whatever and anyway now she just goes in no problem she knows nothing terrible is going to happen but but it was interesting i mean god's probably the greatest horse trainer ever right (laughs) And he was like, Yeah, I know the answer. You could listen to
1: me. (laughs) (laughs) So that's yeah, that's great. Yeah. Pray about whatever.
3: Everything. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And as far as repeating, as far as repeating your prayers, like if I'm worried about a situation, I'm you know, I might get stuck in the same worry loop for a while, but typically as time passes, the nuances of my worry or my Mm -hmm. joy, whatever changes. So if I think of God, of talking to God as an ongoing conversation, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna want to repeat myself. No, I shouldn't loop. I shouldn't get stuck in a loop of demand or expectation or entitlement or woundedness or whatever. But, but there's always going to be that those times when for a moment we're having an experience and our heavenly father wants to hear about it. Like if I have a two-year-old kid, which this isn't flattering, but I'm pretty sure that's how God deals with us. If I have a two-year-old kid and they come to me with some concern that they're wailing over, that they're upset, is that a huge deal to me? No, I can see. I can see what I I have an adult perspective. Does that mean I don't want to hear the follow-up? If they don't talk to me about it later, I'm going to go ask them. I'm going to be like, so how are you doing about this? What are you thinking about that? Does this still hurt? Like, I want them to tell me. I want to hear their healing process. I want to hear their thoughts change and mature. And if I think of God as our Father who's trying to raise us and perfect our characters, I mean, it says right here, we read it um, a couple weeks ago, I guess, or whatever, verse 48 of Matthew 5, be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Well, that word perfect is translated mature in other places in in the Bible. He's trying to grow us up. He's trying to grow us up. Little kids repeat themselves. We're small creatures that don't have the long view of what's going on. We're going to repeat ourselves. But vain repetitions isn't the same thing. I like the Lord's Prayer because to me it helps set the priority. (laughs) The priorities of my prayer. My prayers should not start and end with me, 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 (laughs) me, right? So it's like proper Proper respect to him, proper placement of him automatically puts proper placement to me. I'm under him. I'm smaller than him. I'm coming to him in fatherly paternal respect, and I have gratitude and I have requests knowing that he's in charge of everything, So, and and also knowing that when it gets to part of it, knowing that some of my requests will be heard according to how I am acting. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I take this as he wants to hear about our daily stuff. And if I go back to him the next day and, and I just say, oh my gosh, I know I talked to you about this yesterday, but I'm still so upset about this. That's exactly how I would say it to another human that I was close to. And I would, and I would, I would feel free to repeat myself with my developing thoughts and feelings. And if we're to think of him as our father, our Abba, our daddy, he wants to hear those things. But he also wants to hear us grow up.
1: Right. Yeah. So I I I find it interesting, like I've said, the way that Jesus has these has these segues from one to the other. I find it very interesting that he that he has you praying for God's will mm-hmm. and your physical needs, like right <laughs> next to each other. And so so you know what? if i want to pray to god for a a, a a gmc whatever denali pickup truck with the cool fold down bed that has a little step on it i can pray about that you know it's perfectly fine just understand that that may not be in god's will and he might say no <laughs> uh but put god's will put god's will first and uh and, and and then when you're asking for for your personal your physical needs it'll be in perspective, and uh, so it's it's perfectly cool to do that. And the next thing that we're, we're that we are directed to pray about is forgiveness. Um, now this is interesting to me, and and the reason I say it's interesting to me. I mean, it seems like one of the nat- most natural things in the world that we would pray to God for, for forgiveness of our sins. But I, I read a book a few years ago, and it was a really interesting book, and I wish I could remember the author's name. And if I can find it again, I'll maybe I'll share it on the Facebook page or something like that. But it was called Stop Praying for What You Already Have, or Stop Asking for What You Already Have. And the, the gist of the, of the book was that it was all paid for at the cross. And so you don't have to keep Groveling for forgiveness—you just have to step into the forgiveness, and so it—it it, it made total sense to me at the time. It's like, okay, I, I guess I get that, but yet here Jesus is saying, "Pray for forgiveness." I don't know. Do you, is am I is there a discrepancy between the two thoughts, or should we be continually, continually praying for forgiveness? knowing that we sin every day, but yet at the same time understanding that it's already been done. Do you get where I'm coming from with that? I mean, obviously, Jesus wouldn't tell us to do it if we shouldn't do it. And so uh, I'm just trying to reconcile, like, two thoughts here that maybe aren't two separate thoughts. What do you think, Tracy? You know, I don't know about that
0: one, to tell you the truth.
1: Yeah, (laughs) because, you know, I mean, on one hand, Jesus is saying do it. But at the other time, you know, when we're listening to Paul, we're reading Paul later on down the road, it's like, it's done. It's over. It's finished. You know, Jesus said it's finished. I think that
0: falls into like, you know, we've been going through this thing at church about the new covenant and it's Mm -hmm. like, you know what, believe that it's already forgiven, live like it's already forgiven. But then once again, it's that humanistic side that, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to do? to make sure that this is forgiven when we don't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's that part that says we have to do some work and then I hate to be, you know, the chauvinistic person, but then when the male aspect of it, I need to fix something
2: Mm.
0: to get something. And it's like, Mm. that's where I think the tripping point is where, you know what it's, God's already taken care of all of it, except it. It's Mm -hmm. a gift that you cannot rationalize. You just need to accept it. And I think that's the biggest hurdle over these last, what is it now, 15 weeks, Matt, or something like that? Something like that. It's, yes, accept it. Mm -hmm. Accept it. Keep your eyes focused on him. Realize that God did it all. He paid it all. And and you're, you're living through that sacrifice. Accept it. And I think that's the hardest part. I think that's the the die daily part of it is is the acceptance part of it, which is totally hard.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that under the old covenant, the sacrificial system, the humanistic need to do something <laughs> was a little more satisfied. Yeah, it you had to work. Really- a symbolic system of, I, I say the words, I transfer the sin, I take the animal, it has to be perfect, then this is what happens. I've, I have made this sacrifice. I, I took this from my flock, or if I didn't have a flock, I spent money, right? I made this sacrifice to atone for what I and my family did, right? So there was this process. And I think that that all was symbolic. I mean, that wasn't It wasn't literal, but it was pointing forward to, you know, the Lamb of God that was going to come. All right. Well, now, here we are in the new covenant. There's nothing to do. There's just there's nothing to do. Mm -hmm. And I can see why. I mean, there are religions out there that have a ritual, a well, what I consider to be a vain repetition set up around forgiveness. And I can understand the appeal of that because at least I would feel like I did something. I don't mind being the recipient of a gift, but I want to feel worthy. Being mm. given a gift that is so huge that I can never even begin to give back feels weird. Mm-hmm. See, but right? we've
0: already we've it's, already fallen back into that when you say simply that I can't give back.
2: Right, exactly. So why do
0: why do we think that we have to give something back?
2: Because that's how our human relationships work. How many of us would stay in a human relationship that was 100% one-sided, where I do all the things, I provide all the things, and then the other person just sits there and soaks it up like a sponge and just feels so, so, so loved? Like, that's a nauseating thought. If I was ever around a person that wanted to be in a personal relationship with me and that was like that, I would run. Like, our human Mm -hmm. relationships are based on some form of equality. You give me this, I give you that. We trade off our strengths and our weaknesses. We support each other. They're not one-sided. Well, then all of a sudden it comes to God. It's one-sided. All He wants back is our love and our growth. That's hard. It's mm. it's hard for people who are doers. Well, and so, you know, and how many of us
0: grew so. up living, you know, under that thing is nothing is for free.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no such thing as a free lunch.
0: There you go. That's
2: great. And that's why we're supposed to give grace to everyone else around us is because we've received so much grace.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. It's interesting then understanding that we have the forgiveness yet still being directed to pray for the forgiveness. And, you know, I suppose, I suppose it's necessary for us to do it so that. It comes to our mind and we can shed it. Yeah, I
2: think of know? that as a recognition process.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I accept that I accept that Jesus paid the price for my sin. And now as I pray for that forgiveness, I claim it. I don't have to beg for it. I don't have to grovel for it. I simply, I simply am basically saying, Lord, apply that to what I did yesterday. Or this morning, or whatever, because I suppose you know, if we got into the habit of thinking, "Oh, I never have to ask for forgiveness," maybe we maybe we would have a tendency to slip into a into a way of thinking that, or or we would sort of forget that our sin has a cost and that uh, that uh, there is a responsibility involved. Um, there's some interesting thoughts there, or
0: you fall into that. That pitfall of i can do anything and it doesn't Mm. matter where now we've taken our focus off god and i think too over this last 15 weeks it was reiterated i don't know how many times during the sermons this isn't a free pass to do anything Mm. it's your your love of god that will prevent you from doing those things that will not be in your nature anymore it's you know wanting to extend that love that kindness that grace that mercy to everybody that you see you know, and I think about the the parable of, you know, the forgiveness of the debt where, you know what? I've forgiven you for this amount of debt, but then somebody else owes you money and you can't do it for them. And I think that's that's that focus part of, you know what? it. And here I go again. I think I'm falling into the pit hole that I was just talking about <laughs> is that when God's given you this free gift, you feel obligated to extend it to somebody else through that love. But once again, it's you know, are you wanting to do something to try to earn it when you don't have to?
2: So that parable that you that you referenced, Tracy, about the the two servants, right? So <clears throat> for anybody who for, who in our know, tens of listeners who don't have that fresh to mind, say tens,
0: I, I say millions and millions.
2: Tens of <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: Quality so, over quantity.
2: So, so basically, the, <clears throat> it's the story where there were two debtors. And one owed this giant debt that he could never in his life have ever paid off, and he, you know, he owed it to the to the king. And he went before the king, and he he basically just begged and pleaded and said, "I can't pay you. I can, I know that I owe the debt, and I can't pay you." And the king forgave him. And so then that man, freshly forgiven, went out into the street, and he ran into one of his fellow citizens who owed him a very small amount of money and he, you know, he grabbed the man by his shirt and pushed him up against the nearest wall. And there was this, this intense, like this movie scene that happened. And he basically tells the guy, I'm going to do everything I can throw you into debtor's prison until you pay me back this tiny debt. And, and then the King hears about it and he is not pleased that while he Went ahead and forgave this guy a giant, huge debt that he had no hope of ever forgiving. This man would not extend the same forgiveness, or even a tiny fraction of it, to his fellow citizen. So he punishes the first guy who was unforgiving to his fellow mankind. All right, fine. So that's the story. So which is which comes into the Lord's Prayer in verse 12, in 612. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's an immediate comparison there.
3: Yep.
2: And that that is uh, that is interesting that that makes its way into the Lord's Prayer. Anyway, that's that's the story. And one of the things that it does for me is every time that I am tempted to not forgive somebody who has offended me here on this broken little planet, I am reminded that if I do not forgive them, God does not forgive me. The way that I forgive others... Is how god forgives me so i heard this interview a while back with uh, a christian author uh timothy keller i think his name is pastor keller and um, he's sick i think he has cancer right now so the people that were interviewing him actually flew to where he lived and just met him met him there instead of him traveling to do the interview but the but he had just written a book about forgiveness and so that was the topic and the, so they asked him in the interview they said what would uh, what would you? What advice would you give somebody if somebody came to you for pastoral counseling and they were struggling with forgiveness? What would you say? And and I don't know if they were expecting him to want to hear about the details of the the sin between the humans or what. But his response was, well, I would go over the parable of the of the two debtors who needed forgiveness. The one who was forgiven this huge debt, and then who then in turn refused to forgive his fellow man for a small debt. And I would just, I would go over that parable with him, And then I would say, okay, now let's talk about this and let's figure out what it is in this small debt that this person owes you, that you think trumps the large scale forgiveness that you have received. And I was like, Oh, well there's a sobering thought.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it is interesting there, the way that Jesus reminds us that we need to forgive other people as we're asking forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive others. So, and
2: then, by the way, after he says Amen, the next couple of verses a deal deal with that directly. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know if we're gonna if we're gonna get that far today, but yeah, verses fourteen and fifteen, right after the Lord's prayer. Oh yeah, just say that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the next part of the prayer there in verse thirteen is a little less controversial, and not that the, what we just talked about was controversial. I shouldn't say that, but it, it, it raises less questions in my mind. Well, okay, so it asks for deliverance from, um, how does he put it the evil one? i'm I'm looking at the new King James now. but the, the way that the way that Jesus words it is very interesting, where as we're praying to the Father, we pray to the Father to not lead us into temptation. That seems like a that's an interesting yeah. prayer to pray I'll to God. That. Don't God don't lead me into temptation. Why would Jesus even put that into the prayer? Why would we think that God would lead us to temptation?
2: The reason for that goes back to the original language that this was translated from, which was Greek. Mm-hmm. The word okay. for temptation also means testing. And that does come from God. It might look the same on the receiving end, <laughs> uh-huh. but there's other places in the Bible where it says, where it says that God does not tempt people, yeah. but he does test people. And anybody who, you know, you look back on the book of Job and realize that there's there's some horrible stuff planned for us where if God were to remove his protection and just allow it to happen, we would be flattened so fast. So when I think of God testing, I don't necessarily think of him sitting back and trying to figure out a rat maze for us to get through to see if we can find the cheese or not. I think of it as him allowing things that that this world would dish out in its fallen state under you know the quote unquote God of this world, Satan, who's running it right now. There's a lot of evil planned for us that would that the devil would happily dump on our heads to see us crushed. And I think that um, where, where's that text that says uh, no temptation has come upon you that is uh, not common. To, to man but with each but God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with each temptation provides a way of escape like there's hmm. there's solutions you just have to be willing to reach for them and if you compare that to what James says about temptation um, he says um, no man is what is Oh, hang on I gotta find it I think it's in
0: think it's 1 Corinthians 10 13
2: go ahead and read it I'm looking uh, up James
0: I'll have to look it up I, thought I was gonna say that um, no temptation has overtaken you except such as in common to man. But God is faithful and not will yeah. not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But mm-hmm. with that, with with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may also be able to bear it. Right.
2: So then it becomes a testing, right? So here, and it's actually in James 1. So here's what it says. this James 1, starting in verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. All right, so there's the shift between internal desire and external actions that we were, ta- that we were just talking about a few verses ago. Like where Jesus, you know, like uh, in the last chapter where Jesus says, you know, you want to talk about murder? Let's talk about where, where murder starts. You want to talk about adultery? Let's talk about where adultery starts, right? And so there again, James is calling out the root of sin is actually your own desires. It doesn't, doesn't come from God. It comes from your fallen nature. But with each exposure to that thing that you want, if you look at that verse in First Corinthians, there is a way of escape that's made available to you. We're not left, you know, sitting ducks, unable to defend ourselves.
1: Yeah. So it, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's the word. The wording is interesting. Yes. Go ahead, Amy. Sorry.
3: The wording is interesting, especially because it also says, "But," like in the King James, it says, "But deliver us from evil." Mm-hmm. But um, what it really says in the Greek is, "Deliver us from the evil one," mm-hmm. from our enemy. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the way the New King James put it. Delivers from the evil one,
3: delivers from the enemy. Oh, right? Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're telling me that the King James isn't 100 accurate all the time. Hey now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> them's fighting words now. <laughs> gonna rile up our millions and millions
1: of followers. <laughs>
2: Do you remember that one time that Matt and Amy came to blows during the during the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, hey, that's hot.
1: I grew up. I grew up on the on King James. I was one of the only kids in in high school who could understand Shakespeare because I was familiar with old with old English. <laughs> uh, but yes, deliver us, deliver us from the evil one. I think that is the central part of that phrase. Don't you know what I didn't do? What didn't you do?
2: I didn't look in my 1611. <laughs> I didn't look at what the Lord prayer said in the 1611. I'm gonna look while you talk. Okay.
1: But yeah, that deliverance from the evil one is the is the important part because temptations will come. We know that they will come and we know that they won't come from God. But we do know that God will have the power to deliver us from that
3: evil one. Do you know who Ray Bradbury is?
1: Some of uh, science familiar. fiction, right? Yeah. Fahrenheit yeah, 451.
3: I read an interview with him one time and he said that um, he was asked once, you know, there was lots of science fiction writers at the time that he was writing and um, they had good stories maybe, but they didn't have excellent literary quality. And so this person said, you know, why do you suppose that you are such a superior writer? And he said, because my mother read me the King James Bible as a child. Mm-hmm. And he said, those words are floating in my head at all times. Yeah. And so it's just a way of thinking that, that is different and beautiful.
1: Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to wrap your brain around the way phrases come out. And you can't put modern 21st century thinking into some of those phrases because, you know, if it says that, you know, somebody might do something, they think, oh, they don't understand that what it's saying is they will do something, you know? Oh, and, right, and, right. You know, things well, like I that.
3: If, I wonder if German people feel the same way about the about Luther's version, you know, because it used their language, um, To you know, because he, he translated the New Testament uh, into German for the first time. Mm. And, and so they probably feel the same way about it, you know, about their version, because they can wrap their brains around certain phrases the way we wrap our minds around certain phrases in the king james yeah okay so here it is
2: 16:11 and okay so it does say deliver us from evil and just so you know evil is spelled e u i l l anyway so yeah so there again i mean i i like to study the bible with a with a concordance nearby that goes back Mm -hmm. to the original languages because just because of subtleties like this
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like
2: i get it that's not an issue right what we're talking about here this isn't a salvation breaker but still why not have clarity Mm
1: -hmm. well and that is why i think it's good to have you know i'm sitting here right now with well two or three different versions you have your nice side by side right in one volume Dude, but I've got okay. I've got an NIV here on my left I've got my new King James right here on my right and then in my brain for some of these things it's the King James <laughs> but I I know you know sometimes I'll pull up I'll pull a Bible app on my phone I want to know what young's literal translation says really? I want to know I want to know what the NIV says or new living or something like that you know and because because those nuances, between translating um you know you never get a one for one you have to you you know, sometimes you need to get a broader scope of what it what it's what's mm-hmm. what's being said anyway wow that's a that's a that's a tangent that we went down which it's it's fine it's cool but because uh, i i love i love those studies of languages and where words come from and how, how that too. all works out the prayer largely though ends up with that the the acknowledgement of God's power and authority, as we get through the end, and he starts to wrap it up, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So again, like we said, you start we start the prayer with God, and mm-hmm. we end the prayer with God. Like Jared was saying, if you just jump right in, me, 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 the whole time, that's not a great prayer. and Jesus dear
2: Santa is, Claus. I was uh, good today. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah. so it's it's important for us, you know I don't suppose we have to pray everything in these exact orders either, but these are certainly uh, topics that are worthy of prayer. and I do think that it is probably is important for us to surround the prayer with focus on God. And his authority, his kingdom, his will.
0: You know what? I always forget this. And I think I probably asked you about nine or ten times, Matt, over the course of our time together. What is that? That There's an acronym of how you should pray. Remember, it was like um, praise, supplication, gratitude. Remember that? It was like how you start off a prayer, you know, with, um, oh, oh, we've done it. Yeah, it was also, yeah,
3: I've I've heard this. Yeah. Yes,
0: it was a long time ago. It's um, God. Now I can't remember it, but it was kind of along those lines. You start off with you know what, giving thanks to God, and you end up you know the the prayer you know, you know thanking Him for what you've done, and you know kind of encompassing it in you know what you need in the middle or what you're praying for in the middle. But I can't I can't remember that thing now, and I I always ask and I always forget.
1: But yeah, <laughs> well, well. Like, We'll look it up and we'll stick it on the Facebook page.
0: Yeah, we'll have to do that. But, yep, there's a there was, a, like, a little acronym for it, and then I'll, I'll look for it this week, and maybe I'll text it to everybody.
1: Yeah, I remember hearing about it, learning about it. I, I don't remember it right offhand because it also brings to mind the the acronym for uh, for study, SOAP, or soap as it gets gets changed because they want you to start with prayer, and then I don't remember what the acronym for that works, but it is for everything either, but... Um, but yeah, the, the 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 idea that there's a template for us following prayer, and you, it's it's not like a written in stone. This is exactly how you must pray. No. But these are these are um, aspects of things that are good to pray for.
2: Did I hear uh, you correctly? Do we have a Facebook page?
1: We do. You didn't know that?
2: No. Uh-uh. Oh. I hardly ever I, get on Facebook. I just wow. I, look at us go.
1: I mention it every day in my in my ending tag. Don't you don't you ever listen to this the podcast, Karen?
2: Well, not the parts that you repeat all the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we do have a Facebook page. It's Adventure Through the Bible.
2: <laughs>
1: um, now, but here's what's really kind of cool, and we're gonna wrap it up here pretty quick with this. We're not gonna get through the entire chapter this week, but he wraps up the whole concept of prayer, and it's is fascinating to me. Because as he finishes the prayer, then he says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. So the entire it's it's as if the entirety of the Lord's prayer is encompassed by forgiveness and our attitudes about it. Because, you know, when he says for meaning because so as you go through the prayer. Because if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. It's like that entire prayer really, in a lot of ways, is about forgiveness. It's all encompassed and directed by this concept of forgiving other people. Uh, I just I find that very interesting as well. To to keep our our prayers focused in in that concept as we begin to pray of being forgiving and getting and not just getting forgiven.
0: Okay, so I found something similar. This isn't the exact one I I remember, but it breaks it down into adoration, consecration, supplication, intercession, and protection. And that's how our prayer should kind of follow. And mm-hmm. it kind of breaks that down of how we how it was seen in in the Lord's prayer by by going with the adoration, will be thy name. The consecration, your kingdom come, thy will be done. The supplication, give us this day our daily bread. Um, the intercession, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And the protection, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's kind of, they say that's how you should kind of form your, your prayers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't paying close enough attention there to see if that works out into an acronym. I don't think it does. <laughs> that's why I said I don't think that's the right one, but it was close to what I was saying. Because I, yeah, because I wasn't quite hearing. I was like, I was like, um, sip, sip, sip. sip <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the
0: right one. Hey Tracy. One. Yeah.
2: You know what I've heard will help. What's up? Vain repetition.
0: <laughs>
2: Great. Thanks. Lock that into And now we're fast? back
0: to the first fifteen minutes of our uh, session. <laughs> thanks, Karen.
3: You're welcome. <laughs>
1: Flashcards. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, well so uh, prayer is super important in the Christian's life. It's absolutely vital. I know some people have a hard time with it. I, at times, have a hard time with it. Uh, I suspect my other three panelists probably do sometimes, too, because, you know, I, I've often had the idea of, well, if God already knows what I need, why do I need to ask him? Well, you know, we've we've talked here enough times so that we can say with confidence that, yeah, he knows, um, but he wants you to know that, you know, (laughs) you know, uh, and and just that that constant connection with him, because our connection with him is different than like what Adam and Eve had in the garden where they had that constant they could have face to face chats, you know, and we don't have that now. And so but we do still have this this line of communication and it's a kind of a unique it's a unique line of communication which it's, it's not exactly the same as we have with family members and friends yet very similar in that we can just talk to him we can just ask him for things that we need things that we want um and in that asking in that praying we learn his will and we get closer to him and eventually we start learning You know what sort of things are more appropriate To ask for we start learning You know if I ask for this chances are That's that's God's will Uh, And uh, it's We're better we're better for it Um, I got I'm gonna have to see if I can find it Because it was earlier this week Babylon B had a hilarious article About how to pray Babylon B if our listeners don't know is A satire site that is uh, I'm gonna say loosely Christian uh, oriented because sometimes they can be a little um, vindictive in my opinion. But in this case, it was really funny because it's talking about, you know, make sure that you say Father God about 70 times during your, during your prayer and make sure you say just just this and just that, God, <laughs> all these ways to, to guarantee that your prayers will be answered. And it was hilarious. If I can find it, I'll share it on the Facebook page because it really was it really was kind of funny. And I think our listeners will probably recognize some of those those funny things in there. Maybe they'll recognize it in their own prayers. I don't know.
0: So I'm going to send this to us, but I thought I would mention it. I did find the acronym for that. Hmm. There's there's a few of them. I never, didn't know about these other ones, but ACTS... Is an acronym adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Okay. Heart, honesty, endurance, awe, repentance, and trust. Heart, honor God. Examine your life. Examine your life. Ask for help. Request for others and thank God. And prayer, praise, repent, ask, and yield.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Send those. Send those (sighs) to me, and I and I will try to share those too.
3: Yeah, those are nice. For
0: yeah. our millions and millions of listeners out there.
1: <laughs> well, our millions and millions of real listeners will share those things with <laughs> others, and and then more listeners will be, will be drawn to the podcast. We will take okay. it. We will we'll take it. it. We'll take it, and we will give <laughs> it to God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, we're not going to make it through all of, of uh, Matthew six. Now, I don't even want to try to cram the rest of it in here because the rest it, it's it's good stuff. And so so we'll pick it up here next week. Um, oh, what is this around verse 16? And uh, so Matthew six. And if we get through that, we'll move into Matthew seven. So for our listeners, while you are reading that and waiting for us, remember, you can reach out to us at ATTB podcast at and remember, listeners and Karen, that we have a Facebook page, Adventure wow. to the Bible. You can look <laughs> us up on Facebook. What do you know?
2: <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't listening.
1: <laughs> and make sure that you share the podcast with your friends and family. In fact, clicking the share share button on that Facebook page is one way to do that. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that we can reach you each and every week. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Even you Karen. Good, good stuff, good stuff.
3: Sorry, guys. I kept hacking and coughing, and so I had to keep muting.
1: That's why I was sick all last week. This is why I keep a hot drink next
3: week. I you. should have gone and gotten a new hot drink. You're right.
1: You should have just put it on camera
0: and then <coughs> muted it that so then we be could have watched like you hack.
1: Oh, dear. Oh, I'm never going to live that down. Never, ever.
3: No, I'm oh, glad you didn't. And we're gas. not even we're talking about
1: hacking
0: coffee right now. We're not even talking about blowing your nose. No, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's even more beautiful. Yeah. More beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Microphone mute. Sound. Camera turns off the picture, but it doesn't mute <laughs> the sound. Oh yeah yeah.